Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. We're looking at this message that I've entitled The Greatest Command, amen, or The Greatest Commandment. And last week we, we started this, this, this uh, teaching that the Lord has just kind of stirred my heart to kind of get into for the next few weeks. And for the previous few weeks, we've been talking about the return of the Lord, amen, that the king will return. And, and I want to just encourage us tonight because um, uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, uh, I, I shared something on social media the other day. You know, it says a lot of people are, are waiting for, you know, warfare and, and we're waiting for, you know, the end times to be this scary, uh, fearful, you know, thing that, that is that is going to happen, but the truth is, is that the, the believers, the, the beloved of, of the church of God should be waiting for a wedding, amen, we should be waiting for a wedding, what does that mean, that means that we are the bride of Christ, amen, we are the ones that he is coming back for, thank you, would you just thank the Lord for this precious young man of God, thank you, DJ. <laughs> I almost spit out my water, okay. <laughs> so humble. <laughs> so we, you know, we, we as the believers, we are, we are waiting for a wedding. I'm anticipating the Lord returning. It's not a day that we fear. It's not a day that we are, you know, overly concerned about. It's not a day that we are, you know, fearful of. The, the scripture tells us over and over and over again to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Don't be worried about what's happening around us. And I know there's things that we could easily get worried about. There's things with, that could draw our hearts away from, from you know, just being focused on, on the Lord. But at the end of the day, the Lord has called us to keep our eyes fixed on him. Amen. When our eyes are fixed on him and we behold, I was right now when I came to the pulpit, I was, I was reminded of, was it a, Oh gosh, I'm I'm already forgetting his name. Somebody's Pastor Thomas is gonna help help me think. Simeon, sorry, it was Simeon. Thank you, Pastor. You you downloaded it for me. The Bible says that Simeon was given a promise that he would behold the Lord, that he would see the Lord. Amen. And Simeon you know, had lived his life, you know, just this great portion of his life. And he was waiting for the promise. Amen. He was waiting to behold Jesus. And, and after Jesus was born, amen, after he, he came into the earth, it was Simeon that got to, to hold the very son of God. And he said in the scripture, he said, I'll paraphrase it, but he said, my eyes have seen thy glory. My eyes have seen thy glory. And when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, when our eyes are, are not moved, when our eyes, you know, have blinders on, you know, like those racehorses that you see, they have those blinders on. Why do they have those blinders on? So they don't get distracted by everything else and they just run in a straight line. They, they're, they're focused, they're intentional on where they're headed. And, and, I, and I pray in Jesus' name that as we continue to look at Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews 12 that he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus, him, the author and the perfecter of your faith. When we do this, church, we will behold the glory of God. I believe that a lot of times people fall out of love with the Lord and they, and they lose the first love. They lose that, that feeling that, you know, you know, not just a feeling, but 
that connection in relationship with the Lord, they lose it when they look to other things. Amen. They lose that intimacy in relationship with the Lord when other things occupy their eyes. The Bible says that the eyes are the lamp to the body. They are the lamp to the body. When our eyes are full of light, the body is full of light. When we're looking at Jesus, we're full of Jesus. Amen. When we are, when we are focused on the Lord, we are full of everything that Jesus embodies. His power, his authority, his love, his goodness, his faithfulness, his justice, everything. We see that when we focus on Jesus. But the moment that we take our eyes away from Jesus... The moment that other things catch our attention, all of a sudden we're, we, we come to a place of distraction and we lose our way with the Lord. How many of you know the Bible says that we are to walk in step with the Holy Spirit? Amen? If, if I don't look where I'm going, and in this case, if I don't look at Jesus, who am I to be following, but I've got my eyes over here, all of a sudden Jesus is going this way and I begin to veer that way. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus said, he said, any man who puts his, his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for my kingdom. What was he illustrating? He was illustrating a, a really important point, And that is this, is in order to, to live with Jesus, not only daily, but one day for eternity, we cannot take our eyes off of him. That means that he is our focal point. He is, he is our doctrine. He is our belief system. He is everything to us. And when we focus on the Lord and we look at Jesus, we're able to fulfill what he has asked us to fulfill while we live in this earth. Amen. And so tonight as we get into the message, uh, again, titled The Greatest Commandment, I'm excited in my heart to dive deeper into what I believe loving Jesus looks like. And so something that we learned last week is that it's, impossible, first and foremost, to love Jesus outside of being born again. Amen? It is impossible to love God unless you are born again. You do not have the capacity to love God from a place of not being born again. When you are born again, you know God and you know who he is and you're able to love him from that place. But until we are born again, until we have surrendered our life to Jesus... Until we've repented, we've renounced the ways of this world, and we've given our life to Jesus, then and only then can we love him the way that he deserves to be honored and loved. Amen? And so we have to be, you know, repentant of sin. We have to be reconciled to God. And I read this quote to you last week, but it says this, We can't behave good, and we cannot love God, and we cannot inherit eternal life outside of receiving the gift of Jesus Christ. Amen? Coming to Jesus is not just simply, you know, asking for behavior modification. Coming to Jesus means that you die and you are resurrected just like him and you are now born again a new creation. Amen? It means the Bible says, it, it explains it this way in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, I believe it says, the old is gone and the new has come. Amen? The old is passed away and therefore the new has come and we are a new creation in Christ. It doesn't say you're just simply a new creation. It says you're a new creation in Christ. And so that content of the word love is given fully and exclusively 
through and in the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And apart from that specific narrative image, the term has no meaning. So apart from understanding that what perfect love looks like, which was Jesus giving his life upon the cross, outside of that, it has no meaning. Because the Bible says that greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. There is no such thing as a, you know, we, we like to say that we love all kinds of things. And we ill use the word most of the time, right? We ill use the word love. You know, we say, oh, well, I love pizza and I love dogs and, and I love, you know, uh, this and I love that. And, and at the end of the day, you know, if we understand, you know, the Greek and we understand the way that the text was originally written to us, we'll understand that there's a big difference between phileo love and agape love. Agape love is unconditional. Phileo love is conditional. There's a huge difference. The difference is, is, is I could say that I love, you know, sushi, which I do. It's awesome. So if you ever want to treat me to sushi, by the way, I'll be available. <laughs> but for me to say that I love sushi doesn't mean that I agape sushi. What does that mean? that I unconditionally love it. No, because if they make it wrong, I'm not going to be crazy about it, right? If they bring it to me and it's not the same thing, then, then, then there's a condition based on my love. And that's not the same thing as what the Lord has offered us. He's given us a perfect love. And so the beauty of the gospel is this. Instead of us trying to reach him, God sent his son to reach us. Amen. The Lord sent his son a dying, to a dying creation, to a dying people to reach us. And it's from that place of knowing Jesus first, personally, as our Lord and Savior, that positions us to fulfill the greatest commandment. So I want us to read this again in Mark chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up there. And in Mark 12, verse 29, says this. Jesus was just previously asked what the greatest commandment was. He said the most important one answered Jesus is this. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And verse 30 says, So love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And verse 31 says, And the second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself, for there is no commandment greater than these. So what is the greatest commandment? To love him. Amen. That is the greatest commandment. It is simply to love Jesus. And so the first thing that I want to point out to you tonight is that loving God comes from a personal encounter with the Lord. Amen? Loving Jesus comes from a personal encounter with the Lord. Notice what verse 30 says. Let's look at it again. It says, love the Lord your God. Amen? That's personal. It doesn't say love the Lord a God or love the Lord, you know, to some God. It says love the Lord your God. You know him. He knows you. He, you have relationship with him. You have fellowship and communion with him. You know each other. So it says love the Lord your God with all of your heart. With every part of your heart, with every facet of your being. Our hearts, church, are a place of inhabitants where the Lord resides. Think about that. 
The Lord's not, you know, you know, in my in my hand necessarily. Or the Lord's not just in my mind. The, but the Bible tells us very specifically and clearly that the Lord resides in our heart. And it's interesting that, that it starts there because I believe that there's an order of importance. I believe that as this list is given to us, there's an order of importance. And so it's important to see the order of which the command was given because he first mentions the heart. He mentions the heart, and the heart is the first point of contact that the Holy Spirit has taken residence in in your life. And he's telling us in the scripture, he's saying to love him with all of it, all of our heart. Did you know, church, that there is no room for Jesus to co-inhabit with anything else in your heart? Think about that. There, is, there should be no place in our heart that, that something else exists except for Jesus. He's looking to inhabit all of our heart. Amen. And I believe for those of you that have had a relationship with the Lord for some time, you know that the Lord is, is, is really awesome about revealing things that are stuck in our heart. Amen. When you first gave your heart to Jesus, you know, it's like he, he came in and, and you're like, well, you know, I've got the, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's, he's residing in my heart. He exists with me. He's, he's with me every single day. It's the most glorious thing, you know, that, that you could ever experience. But as he takes up residence in your heart, he, he looks around. And he goes, hey, what's, the, what's behind this door? Yeah, it looks a little dusty up there. He takes observation of what exists in our heart. And guess what? Because he's Lord of your heart and Lord of your life, those other things can't exist there. So what does he do? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he convicts us. And there's conviction that begins to come in our life. And there's conviction because the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And so the things that you once did, the things that you once said, the places that you once went, all those things, it all begins to change because guess what? Somebody is inhabiting your heart. So you can't go to the same place. You can't do the same thing. You can't talk the same way that you used to because guess what? Somebody's living in your heart. And now all of a sudden the sin and the ways of the world that you used to follow, it's no longer the same because Jesus is inhabiting your heart. And what does he do? Every single day as you commune with him and every single day as you have relationship with him, he begins to bring something else to the surface of your heart. He's perfecting your life day by day. The Bible says that he's renewing us in the image of God every single day. So there's something, and, and guess what? Don't ever think that you're a finished product. You ain't there yet. If Paul wasn't there and the disciples weren't there, we are not there. And that's not, that's not a, a bad thing. It just means that, hey, salvation is instant. Sanctification takes time. Everybody say, he's working on me. He's working on us. What is he doing every single day? He's peeling our heart back one layer at a time. There's things that we did not even know existed within the depths of our hearts. There's pains, there's hurts, there's, there's frustrations, there's unforgiveness, there's, there's you know, evil thinking and all, all kinds of things. He's peeling our heart back one layer at a time and he's becoming Lord over it all. 
He's establishing his kingdom inside of your heart. He's saying nothing else, no one else can have room in this heart because I exist here. But our obligation as the children of God is to let him do his work. Let him go to work in your heart. Let him begin to do the house cleaning and, and, and do the renovating and, and do the transformation that needs to be done. So our heart is a place where the Lord is residing and a heart is a place where the Holy Spirit has come in contact with our life. Romans 10 and 10 says, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It is with your heart that you believe. You see, you didn't believe because you put all the, the dots together and you said, oh man, Jesus is, is Lord because, you know, I heard this and I heard that and I heard that. It, it's not a mind thing. It's a trust from the deepest place of your life. It is a trust and a willingness to yield to the one who's given his life for you. And so the order of which the Lord is asking us to love him from, it merits importance. Amen? The order in which he is asking us to love him from, it is so important for us to get this because it's the heart that dictates the mind and the mouth and everything else. He said, first believe in your heart and then you will confess with your mouth. It is from that place, from that innermost being of our life that he is asking us to love him from. Matthew 15 and verse 19 speaks about the heart. And it says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Out of our heart. Out of the deepest place of our being. It's from that place that was once the harbor for evil thoughts. Immoral thoughts. You know, theft. You know, falsifying testimony. Slander and so much more. It's from that place that has had to have undergone a spiritual renovation. Being born again. It's from that very place in our life because the king of kings has now moved in and he's taken residence there and he's remodeled and renovated the place for his honor and with his glory. And it's from that very place the Lord is looking from that once harbored evil, the place that once was an inhabitant of evil, it's that place that we are called to love him from. Why is this important to see? I'm glad you asked. Because unless we've had a heart renovation, then loving him from that place will be impossible. I've been in church and had a relationship with Jesus since I was 15 years old. And I'm about 20 now, so it's been a little while. Why are you laughing, Pablo? This guy's laughing in the front row. Now that I've had a relationship with God for some years, I've seen a lot of people in church. And they come and you can have a time of worship like we were just in right now. And they can be completely immoved. 
And it's always kind of baffled my mind because I, I, <laughs> I, I want to scream. <laughs> I want to like shake him and say, do you know who's in front of you? Do you know who's in the room? Do you know who's in this place right now? Do you, I know, I, I know, I get it. Like, I know you might be looking at the ceiling and say, I just see, you know, ceiling tiles, Pastor Duke. I, I, I don't know who's here. But when I talk to you right now about focusing your eyes on Jesus and looking at him and seeing him, when we are engaged in a time of worship like we just had, you now have the ability to see what you couldn't see before. And there's some people that it's obvious that you don't see what he's doing and you don't hear what he's saying because there's been no renovation of your heart. Coming to church is not a renovation of your heart. Though one day you should hear the gospel preached from the pulpit, one day you should learn about Jesus and things like that. But the true transformation takes place when we've invited him into our heart. Amen? Amen. And loving him from that place is what he is asking of us. Because if he is now the new owner of our heart, then we've been enabled to love him perfectly. I want us to read from Ezekiel rather, uh, chapter 11 and verse 19. This is a, a promise from the Lord, and this is something that the Lord will do when you've given your life to him. He said, I will give them an undivided heart, and I will put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone, and I will give them a heart of flesh. He said, then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people, and I will be their God. Did you know, church, that the Lord will never, ever ask of us and not give us the capacity to fulfill the command? He is not going to ask you to love him with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, if he has not given you what is required to do so. Amen? Amen? People get discouraged, you know, in their relationship with God all the time because... You know, the Bible says to, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to, to, to cast out demons, to trample on snakes and scorpions. And, and all of a sudden, you know, they, they pray for somebody once and, and it doesn't seem like anything happens or whatever. And it's like, well, I'm never going to do that again. Do you know that the Lord has provided? Amen. So that when you do it and you pray for somebody that's sick, you must believe in your heart that it's already done. It's an action of faith. It's not just, oh, I, I said something and nothing happened, Lord. No, it is a movement of your heart. It is a movement of faith. And the Lord is not going to ask you to love him. The Lord's not going to ask you to, to honor him and not give you the ability to fulfill what he's asking. So this why when you came to him, he said, I will give you an undivided heart. I will give you a new heart of flesh. I'll take out the heart of stone. And so now you are positioned and you're able and you have everything that you need to love him well. But see, oftentimes the world will say, follow your heart. But how many of you know that when, you, when people follow their hearts, most of the time it, it often leads to others crushing it? Amen. Following your heart is a bad idea. Amen. Just like falling in love is a bad idea. Falling is a mistake. You choose to love somebody. Amen. 
big difference. Don't fall in love, ladies, with just any guy. That means that you're making a mistake getting into that relationship. And if God didn't direct you to him and he's not the one for your life and he's not the one that he has willed for you, then guess what? The whole thing is going to end up a mistake. Trust me, I've talked to, I've talked to the people that have gone through it. I got parents to prove it. What am I trying to say? If you follow the leading of your heart more than you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, more times than not, you will end up broken, crushed, and dismayed. You'll end up confused, and you'll end up, you know, sad, and you'll end up, you know, all kinds of things because you've chosen to follow that one thing that was actually deceptive. If you do that and Jesus doesn't live inside of your heart, you are in for trouble. Amen. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and it's beyond cure. Interesting that Jeremiah says that. He says, Who can understand it? He said, But I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. What did I talk about? The Lord looks inside of our heart. He's looking at every area of our life. He's in there. He's, he's examining it. He's seeing it. And he said, why? To reward each person according to their conduct and according to what their de- deeds deserve. If the heart is deceitful above all things, if the heart is this poisonous place and it's beyond cure, then wouldn't it be wise to not trust in our heart itself? Amen? But rather to listen to the one who inhabits it. Rather than listen to the one who exists there. You see, if he's not Lord of, of your heart, then, then I got to back up for you just a second and say, first of all, he needs to be Lord of your heart. There's no, there's no negotiation there. All the rest of the stuff will make zero sense to you if he is not first Lord of your heart. This is why a lot of people get their hearts broken in relationships because they've chosen to follow their heart and not the Lord. Just because Mr. Prince Charming walks in and, and, and tells, you know, some young lady that she's beautiful, it doesn't mean that she should ever compromise her belief. And the church said, amen. Amen, amen. amen right? Just because the guy's charming, you know, and the young lady gives into pressure doesn't mean that, you know, it, 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 it's godly. It doesn't mean that God is in the middle of it. Or likewise, Likewise, the young lady that's beautiful that leads young men into temptation or you knew that she didn't love Jesus, but you let your heart guide you into something that you knew God wasn't in. The point is, is that our heart is a horrible guide. Our heart is a horrible leader. And if you follow its leading, you will one day be deceived. And so the Greek word, I want us to understand this. The Greek word used for love in this commandment is agape. That word means to have a preference for, to take pleasure in, to prize it above other things, to be unwilling to abandon it or live without it, to welcome with desire and to long for. Wow. You see, when I think about Jesus... And I read the definition of agape love, to prize him above other things, to be unwilling to abandon him and to do without him, to live without him. 
to have no other desire to long for him. That's how I know the Lord's affection is for me. That's how I know the Lord's affection is for you. That's how much he loves us. And the first key, if you will, to loving the Lord with all of our hearts is to love his son who inhabits ours. It's simple. It's just to love Jesus. The key to loving God is loving Jesus first, and it's to behold him before our hearts with as much fullness and clarity and understanding as possible. It's to adore him. It's when no one else has your attention. No one else has your gaze. Your heart's not divided. No one else matters. But loving him and honoring him and fulfilling what he's asked from you, that's where the love begins. That's where loving God begins. I've shared this before, but when I got saved and the Lord saved my life, there was two incredible things that I felt. And I, I'm sure if I asked you to raise your hand, many of you would agree that maybe you experienced the same but when I gave my heart to Jesus, I could say one of the first things that I felt was an incredible weight lifted off my life that I didn't even know existed. I didn't even know it was there. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I, I was probably 130 pounds when I got saved. <laughs> Wasn't that kind of weight, you know, it was just this weight in my soul that existed that I, I had no idea why it was there. And the second thing that I felt was I instantly knew what love was. Because every rendition, every experience prior to knowing Jesus wasn't love. And that was love. He was love. I encountered perfect love in that moment. I don't know if that's relate, if you relate to that tonight, but I know that's how it was for me. I encountered the perfect love most precious love of God that, that, you know, just filled my heart and my life in that moment. And the love of Jesus, it does so much for so many people. Amen? It does so much for so many people. The scripture says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Amen? said it does so much for so many people. The Bible says that the Lord loves us with an everlasting love. I've been loved by people in this world, and, and it's not everlasting. <laughs> Some of them, it was just for a season. Some of them, it was just because I did something for them, right? Some of them, it was just because, you know, whatever, you know. That's all conditional. That's, that's all it falls short of, of the love that the Lord has for us. The Bible says that he loves us with an everlasting love. The Bible says that his love is unconditional. See, that's what agape love is, right? It's unconditional. It's loving someone by choice and not by obligation. It's choosing every single day. I choose them. I choose them. The Bible says that Jesus formed us, that he knew us before we were formed in our mother's womb. 
and the Lord, knowing that even we would become this evil inhabitant creation in the world, that we would want to reject him and all these things, he's yet he still loved us. And the Bible says that yet while we were sinners, while we were in the middle of, 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 of being completely you know, against the things of God, the Bible says that he died for us. You see, that's what love is. Amen? It's loving someone by choice and not by obligation. The Bible says that nothing in all creation could separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Nothing in all creation. And so receiving Jesus means that we are equipped to love God with the same love that he has given us through his son. Amen? It was said that the true measure of loving God is to love his son without measure. The true measure of loving God is to love his son without measure. That means that every day you don't stop loving him. Every day you don't quit loving him. Every day, regardless of how great your day was or how awesome it is or, or, or horrible it is, you don't stop loving him because you know that his love towards you is everlasting. And when you receive that love from the Lord, you're able to reflect it back to him. Every single day this goes on and on. And it's just, a, it's just this continuum, if you will, in our life towards the Lord. We love him and we continue to love him. And, and when I think about that, you know, uh, when I, uh, I've been honored to marry, you know, a lot of people. And when I, when I, uh, well, hold on, I have one wife, I said that wrong. I, I've officiated weddings, that sounds better. Okay, I don't want somebody to listen to this and like, what? You know, you know, not what I meant. I've been honored to officiate many weddings and, and you know, help them tie the knot, <laughs> whatever you want. And one of the things that I always mention uh, in officiating a ceremony like that is we talk about the ring. And we talk about the ring, how it's, it's a circle, and a circle has no beginning and it has no end, right? It just, it goes on and on and on. And we talk about the ring as being symbolic of, of our token of love for that spouse. Meaning that that love would be continual. It would be endless. It, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't, you know, wake up one day and just stop loving. Because that's not, that's not what the circle represents. But it would wake up every single day. It would choose to love. It would choose to love. It would choose to love. And that's how the Lord, you know, brings us into that place. And that's what he's asking from you. He's asking you to love him every single day. What does loving him every single day look like? It means taking up your cross and following him. It means sharing the gospel with others. It means loving others the way that you have been loved by God. I think a lot of times people have a really distorted view of what the love of God is because sometimes those of us that say we love God treat others horribly. Amen. That would probably paint a pretty ugly picture in the lives of people, you know, uh, in this world. They would, they would come out with a conclusion that, you know what, I guess this loving God is awfully hypocritical or this loving God is awfully one way or the other, but because their definition of love has been defined by the people that say they know him. Amen. John 13 and 35 says in the scripture, it says that the world will know that you are disciples of Jesus when you love one another. Amen. 
That doesn't mean we accept everything. It doesn't mean we tolerate everything. It simply means that we continually go back to a place of loving them the way that God loves us. With an everlasting love. And we love people that same place in that same way. I find it interesting when people come to church and they get weary in prayer and they get weary in worship. And they get weary in, in you know, Bible study or communion time uh, in the word. Because essentially what we're saying to Jesus is I have other places I'd rather be. Jesus asked the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane in his most, you know, crucial moment of his life. He asked them, can you not stay awake with me for an hour and pray? And I get it. The Bible says, though my heart and my flesh may fail, he will never fail us. And the Bible says that, you know, when, when, when our flesh is weak, the spirit is strong. Amen. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But I find it interesting because a lot of times we profess to love God, but we can't wait until it's 8.30. Oh, man, we profess to love God, but at 12.01 on Sunday morning, people are going like, mm, you done, Pastor? Awfully hungry. We profess to love God, but, you know, some of some people, they just they sit down, you know, and, and they're, they're going like, you know, when's this worship team going to stop making noise? You know, because because I just want to get the word and get out of here. If that's your definition of what loving God is, just imagine if he treated you that way. Now I'm preaching tonight, right? Yeah. I better move on. I'm going to lose you. I don't want to lose you. But essentially what we're saying in those moments is we'd rather be somewhere else than sitting at the feet of Jesus and adoring him. Did you know that just a moment with Jesus spent in prayer, a moment spent with Jesus in fellowship and communion can have a greater impact than thousands of endless hours spent elsewhere? Yeah, he's that good. He is that awesome. He is that glorious. He is that wonderful. Amen. David said in the book of Psalms, Psalm 84, verse 1, said, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. He says, my soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. He said, my heart and my flesh, they cry out for the living God. Psalm 84, and verse 10, a few verses later, he said, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. He said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. What's he saying? Commune with the one who set the table. Fellowship with the one who set the table. Look at him. Adore him. I don't know about you, but, you know, I... I, I we were talking to DJ and Santiago and Sister Claudia and me today at work, and we are talking about our uh, relationships with our spouses and, you know, just uh, kind of how it all began. And, you know, something that just I was kind of hearing as everybody was sort of sharing their, their testimony and their story was that, They would, 
never want to be with anybody else. Like when they, when, they, when they talk about this person, like you can just see them light up, you know, just joy. Talk about their spouse and their loved one and everything. And it got me thinking about my wife and stuff. And I'm going to get all mushy with you now and all that. But, <laughs> but it's like, even today, you know, we've been together uh, in a relationship for uh, almost 26 years. 16 years married. And, you know, there's nobody else that I'd rather sit down with. There's no one else I'd rather have a conversation with. There's no one else I'd rather share my fears, my heart, my concerns, my burdens with. Nobody else on this earth. She means that much to me. And the Lord... who is so much greater. Sometimes we don't look at him that way. But he deserves to have us sit at his feet at the table that he's prepared to share everything of our heart with him every day. To listen, to look at him To behold his glory like Simeon. Because one look at Jesus, so powerful. One look at the one who saved your soul is the most powerful thing, church. When Jesus sweeps through a room, it's just this unmistakable presence. And I'm wanting our hearts to realize something. In the days and the season that we're living in, now is not the time. Now is not the time to fall out of love with the Lord. Now is not the time to forsake your first love. Now is not the time to give your attention to everything that's happening in the world. Now is not the time that to give your focus and your, 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 your dreams and your concerns and fear. It, it's not the time to give them to anybody else but to sit with Jesus. And when you look at him and he looks back at you, the Bible says it's the loving kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. It's being in the place of perfect love that, where it says perfect love casts out all fear. There's no worry about tomorrow. There's no concern about any burden because you're sitting with Jesus. I'll finish with this. Loving Jesus shouldn't be a burden. It should be an honor. Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am, and I stand at the door and I knock. It said, If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. There's this beautiful fellowship that happens when we answer the call, when we answer the invitation that Jesus has given to us. There's a story in, in the book of Luke that teaches us this uh, very interesting, you know, kind of scenario in this scene. 
And it mentions that Jesus and his disciples, they were traveling through this town of Bethany. And there was an invitation that was given from a woman named Martha. Martha was the, the sister of Lazarus and Mary. And Martha had opened her home for Jesus to come in. And the story records that her sister Mary immediately sits down at the feet of Jesus to listen to what he has to say. But Martha, who's the homeowner <laughs> and the hostess, she was frustrated with her sister. She's frustrated in this moment because she was left doing everything by herself. She's, you know, left, you know, she's got the, the, the food on the stove and, you know, she's, she's sweeping up the, the, the carpet and I'm sure she's trying to set the table and making sure everything's prepared to receive the guest of honor who is Jesus. And in her frustration, you know, and, and, and I, could, I could get it. I understand, right? Like, you know, if you invite guests over to your house and, you know, you ask the, the whole house to help pitch in and clean and, and serve dinner and get things ready, but, you know, you're the only one that's doing it and everybody else is just chilling, you'd probably be mad too. So she has reason for her cause. She has reason for her frustration about the, the, the process or about the way certain things were happening. But here's, here's the point I, I want to make. And so she, she gets so frustrated that she asks Jesus and she questions him, asking him if he cared that her sister left her to do everything. And she tells Jesus to demand that she help him. She help her. She's so frustrated. She's like, Jesus, don't you see that, that she, she left me hanging? I have to do everything on my own. And, and, and do you even care about any of these things? And, and, and Jesus, I, I demand that you tell her to help me. Sounds like a little kid, right? You know, you know just telling the parent, you know, like, you know, Tell, you know, your brother, your sister, you know, tell them to do it too. You know, tell them to help me too or whatever. And so the Bible records in Luke 10 and verse 41, it says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. He said, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I want to ask you the question tonight. Have you opened your heart to Jesus just like Martha opened her home to Jesus only to be distracted by preparing this place for him to inhabit? Or have you let him in to hear what he has to say? It's a big difference. a big difference because the greatest guest of honor lives in the home of our hearts and he's waiting to be adored by us he's waiting to have our full attention he's waiting to have all of our affection he's waiting that we would take the right posture which is at his feet at that place of saying I'm completely surrendered to you Lord no one else matters. You have everything of me in this moment. 
This is what he is looking for. He's patiently waiting for us to incline our ears to what he has to say. And he's waiting for our hearts to feel like his. He's desiring to give us a portion of himself so that we can love him back. This is what he's looking for from us. There's a saying, Greg Laurie said this. He says, loving God with all of our hearts begins with loving Jesus first. And loving God more than anyone or anything else is the very foundation of being a disciple. If you want to live your Christian life to its fullest, then love Jesus more than anyone or anything else. Amen? Jesus is personal, but the question of the hour is, he, is he your personal Lord and Savior tonight? As I ask you to bow your heads tonight, I want us to pray. I want us to pray tonight. Because there's an essential connection between experiencing God, loving God, and trusting God. You will trust God only as much as you love him, and you will love him to the extent that you have touched him, or rather to the extent that he has touched you. And I believe tonight that the Lord is looking to inhabit the heart of someone that has not yet let him in. And if that's you tonight, I just want you to be sensitive to what the Lord is doing. It's not me that's speaking to you. It's not my words that are, that, are, that, are, that are tugging your heart. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the very Spirit of God. And I believe the Lord is looking right now in this moment. He's looking for somebody. He's saying, I've longed to know you. I've longed to inhabit your heart. I've longed to come into that place with you to where everything that was wrong in your life, to where everything where everything went wrong in your life, to where everything was broken and distracted and where everything was hurt and frustrated. I long to come into that place and take up residence in your heart so that all things might be reconciled, so that everything might be made right and new. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.